Hi, this is Pastor Curtis. I want to thank you for checking out the Family Church Podcast. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to take your next step of faith. You can find out more about how to do that at our website, familychurch.xyz. And if you know a friend who needs to hear this message, please forward it on to them. I hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. You know, I want to do something that I don't think I have ever done. I know Kyle makes it a point to do this. Uh, each week for our uh, eCampus Church, those watching online. Uh, I want us to uh, give it up for our eCampus Church, those that are, that are watching online. Thank you guys so much for, uh, uh, and because we've got some very faithful people, very faithful people that have been watching almost from day one. So thank you guys for uh, yeah, carving out some time out of your Sunday morning to hang out with us. All right, we are starting a brand new series that I'm excited about, Uphill Habits, and I'll explain in a minute how we came up with that catchy little title. But basically, we're going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about something that many of you are probably already thinking about or maybe even have already started doing anyway since we just embarked on this new year, making some changes in your life, breaking some old habits, and hopefully starting some new ones. Now, the thing about habits is, and I don't think any of us really understand how much habits really do affect us. Did you know, and this this, this surprised me, by the way, but uh, 40% of our daily activities are performed out of habit. Now, depending on what that habit is, that's either a good or a not-so-good thing because if most of those were good habits, we'd be golden. Uh, But sadly, that's probably not the case for for many, if not most of us. Most of us are probably hurt more from our habits than we're helped by our habits. Author Stephen Covey, he puts it this way. He says, Habits are powerful factors in our lives because they are consistent. Now, look at these words here. They are consistent, often unconscious patterns. They constantly, daily express our character and produce our effectiveness or ineffectiveness. In other words, we all form habits, but eventually those habits form us. Aristotle said this. He said, you are what you repeatedly do. You are who you are. Listen, you are who you are, and I am who I am, based on those things that we decided to do repeatedly in our lives. And it's interesting because when you read the Gospels closely, and you'll see that even Jesus had some habits. For example, he had a habit of attending the synagogue uh, each Sabbath day. He had a habit of praying early each day. He had a habit of spending time in solitude and meditation each day. And furthermore, those habits defined who who he was, just like our habits define us as well. And every January, many of us put together some resolutions, which are really like hopes and expectations, which brings us to the thesis or big idea for this series, which is this. Everything begins with a thought, and we'll never change our lives until we change the way that we think. That's why most people have uphill hopes, but downhill habits. Now, the thing about hope is, While it can be a tremendous motivator, it's really a poor strategy. By that I mean to say hope will get us going, but it usually won't keep us going. That's why 80% of all New Year's resolutions are broken by Valentine's Day. Why is that? Why is that? Well, we're going to take a look at that this morning as we look to God's Word, because thankfully God's uh, Word, the Bible, actually addresses this topic of habits. And our text for this series is found in Romans chapter 2. Uh, 12. We're going to kind of come back to this over the next couple of weeks as well. And I'm going to be using the message paraphrase because I think it kind of fits into the different directions we're going to go in this series. Romans 12, verse 2 in the message paraphrase, the Apostle Paul says, 
Fix your attention on God. And these next four words are huge because if we'll do this, if we'll focus on God, Paul says, you'll be changed from the inside out. In other words, lasting change, not temporary, not cosmetic change. Resolutions usually end up being cosmetic changes, right? Changes from the outside in, which typically don't last. Lasting change only happens from the inside out. And that's the kind of change that Paul is talking about here. And that can only happen when we fix our attention on God. Because when we'll do that, we'll, and here he says, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. So in other words, if there's a discrepancy between what you say and what you do, I'm going to believe what you do every time. See, if you say you want to start eating healthier and I see Cheeto dust on your fingertips... I think I'm going to believe the Cheeto dust. If you say you you want to start making better grades, right? Start making better grades, but you spend more time playing Minecraft or Madden 22, then I'm sorry, neither me nor your professor is going to take you seriously on that. You say you want to be a better parent, you know, have a better marriage, but you're not intentional about scheduling date nights or family time, then you're not being honest with yourself because habits and behaviors never lie. That's the bad news. The good news is, since habits are learned, we can unlearn them just like we learned them. John Maxwell, author, said this, leadership guru. He said, you'll never change your life until you change something you do daily. Will it be easy? What do you think? If it was easy, you would have already done it, right? You'd be up here preaching this message, right? Look, I, I like what Darren Hardy says in his book, The Compound Effect, which, full disclosure, Kyle or Zach gave, gave us that book, last year, over a year ago, and uh, you can tell I'm real motivated because I just now got around to reading it. But seriously, it is an excellent book, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. He said this, he said, there's one thing that 99% of failures and successful folks have in common, they all hate doing the same things. The difference is, successful people do them anyway. Successful people do them anyway. So let's continue reading what the Apostle Paul had to say about this. In Romans 12, verse 2, he says, Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of maturity, God brings the best out of you. In other words, just like you're wanting to make some changes for the better, so also does God want to bring the best out of you as well. In other words, God's on your side. He wants to help you make these changes. And frankly, this is something that ultimately only he can do anyway. right? And the way that he does this is through a process as we yield to him and the power of his Holy Spirit. And as we do that, he develops well-formed maturity in you, is how the Apostle Paul finishes that statement. And if you'll give us the opportunity, talking about us, talking about church, family, church, if you'll give us the opportunity, we'll help you along this journey as you seek to make these changes in your life. That's why we do things like the 21 days of prayer and fasting that, that we're finishing up this morning. Helping you be more intentional about addressing habits, both good and bad. The good by giving you the opportunity to spend three weeks of intentional scheduled times of prayer and Bible reading. The bad by challenging you to deny yourself some things that you probably shouldn't have in your life anyway through fasting. Why 21 days? Well, there's actually a biblical precedent for 21 days. But it's also been shown that it takes 21 days to break an old habit or form a new one. Look, it's really not complicated. It's as simple as this. Whatever you starve will die. Whatever you feed will thrive. That's why we combine the two. Say no to some things, some bad habits, and yes to some other things, some some good habits. In this series, we're going to help you target three specific habits that if you'll embrace them, 
that will help, help you in your walk with God. And the first one we're going to look at this morning has to do with our thoughts. Next week, we'll look at priorities, and then we'll conclude the series in a couple of weeks talking about relationships. But for this morning, let's look at how to change our stinking thinking. Habit number one, control my thoughts. We need to learn how to have better control over our thought life. Research indicates on the average, think about this, on the average, you will have 6,200 thoughts each day. So question, yeah, that's like, whoa, you know. So what do you think about, right? And where do some of those thoughts come from? See, most of us probably don't think about what we think about until we think about it. Do I need to run that by you again? Most of us don't think about what we think about until we think about it. The brain's an amazing thing. It's a very complex computer. For example, I'm still, I can't figure out why I can't find my cell phone that I set down 45 minutes ago, but I can remember word for word the theme song to the Beverly Hillbillies from 1965. <laughs> think about that, right? But seriously, what do you think about all day? What do you think about? One article I read came up with the top seven thoughts that many people think about that they shouldn't and see if any of these resonate with you. Number one, who everyone else wants you to be. Number two, what you don't have. Number three, what you fear. Number four, past mistakes. Number five, past hurts or wounds. Number six, impressing the wrong people. And then number seven, situations you have zero control over. Whenever your thoughts wander throughout the day, we need to direct them back to Jesus. Think about him. Contemplate his mercy, his power, his love, his provision, his compassion, his faithfulness. See, we gravitate towards what we think about all day long. We gravitate towards what we think about. That's why I'm this close to turning into a street taco. Right? Your life will be marked by how well you do this habit because none of us, not you, not me, none of us will ever change our life until we change the way that we think. Life change doesn't begin in our doing. It begins in our thinking. And here's how Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, put it. And you've got to love how blunt he is here. In Ecclesiastes 10 verse 2 out of the message paraphrase, he says, wise thinking leads to right living. Stupid thinking leads to wrong living. So that being the case, if what Solomon says is true, and it is, then let me highlight three principles to guide you as you begin to pursue thinking in a different direction and then give you some handles on that last principle to kind of help you apply what God's word tells us about changing our thought life. Principle number one, everything begins with a thought. Everything begins with a thought. The things you're doing well, the things you're not doing so well, they both begin with a thought. In other words, you'll never change your behavior until you change your thinking. This is why you should be cautious about what goes into your mind each morning. Because that, and you know this, that has the potential to set the mood for your whole day. Anyone ever broke, woke up in a bad mood and you're, it just wrecks your day, doesn't it? It just totally wrecks your day, right? That's why we're always encouraging you to give God the first part of your day by spending some time with him in prayer and Bible reading and meditation. See, what you feed into your mind can set the tone for your entire day. I was talking to a lady one time who said, you know, I wake up grumpy every morning. I said, really? She said, yeah, and sometimes I let him sleep in. Thank you. At least the 8 o'clock service, they're like, uh, uh. <laughs> really, if you find yourself being a little grumpy or negative or out of sorts at the beginning of each day, you need to take a hard look at how you start each day. Start setting aside that first part of the day to spend with God and get your thinking set right before you head out the door. Everything begins with a thought. Everything, even, listen, 
Even the changes God's wanting to do in you begin with a thought. We know that because of Paul's statement in Romans 12. And this is verse 2 in the New Living Translation. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform or change you into a new person. How? How are you going to change this, God? By changing the way you think. Everything, I'm telling you, folks, everything begins with a thought. That's principle number one. Principle number two, what we think determines how we feel. See, so you think you feel the way you do because of your boss, because of your teacher, your spouse, your children, the president, the economy. No, 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 no. They're not making you feel that way. You, your response to them is why you feel the way that you feel. That's why it's so important to guard our minds. Earlier we looked at that, that list of seven things that people think about that they shouldn't. Listen here as I read this passage by Paul and, and see if you don't see seven things that we should think about. In Philippians 4, verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable or excellent or praiseworthy, he said, think about such things. Think on those things. See, getting rid of your stinking thinking, it, it, it's not going to make a, your circumstances go away, but I'll tell you what it will do. I'll tell you what it will do. It'll give you peace and assurance in the midst of those circumstances. Look at the very next verse, verse 9. And the God of and the God of peace will be with you. What we think determines how we feel. All right. All right. Principle number three, our thoughts determine our destiny. Our thoughts determine our destiny. Wherever you find yourself next year at this time is going to be determined in large part by your thought life. And the best way to illustrate this is with the following statements. So a thought, reap an action. So an action, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a lifestyle. So a lifestyle, reap your destiny. Notice the first highlighted word is thought, and the last one is destiny. That's because our thoughts do determine our ultimate destiny. So if you don't like the direction your life's going, try changing the way you're thinking. Because where you're at today, you are there in large part because of your thoughts. And listen, because, you know, where you're going to go tomorrow is going to be determined, again, by your thoughts. And that's good preaching. I don't care what you think or what you say. I know it's tough. I know it is tough, but it's true. It really is true. And, and it's, this, look, this isn't just positive thinking. It's biblical theology, and I'll prove it to you. Romans 8, verse 5, New Living Translation. The Apostle Paul says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, in other words, you're living a life and you don't really want to be living and, and, and you know, you're, you're a life that's maybe far from God and full of bad habits. Watch closely this next word because Paul absolutely nails the problem. The reason you're living the life you are is because you think about sinful things. But, and then here Paul gives us the contrast, not, now addressing not those dominated by their sinful nature, but, but, but by, their, by the, the Holy Spirit. He says, he says this, he says, those who are controlled by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. That's what he says there. doesn't say those who attend family church every week. Is that what he says? No. He says those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. In other words, this isn't a one-day-a-week exercise, folks. This is like every day, every day through the week, through the week. Romans 8, verse 6. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, control your mind leads to... All right, when, when you yield your mind to the Holy Spirit, what does it lead to, Paul? Life and peace. That, dear ones, is what we want for you.
life and peace. I want to conclude our time this morning by putting some handles on this theology, on our thinking to help you kind of live it out. So real quick, let's look at five ways to kind of help you stop your stinking thinking and begin letting the Holy Spirit control your mind. The first one's found in Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth. In your Bibles, it's called 2 Corinthians. And the Corinthians, the Corinthians were notorious for having stinking thinking. In fact, one of my seminary professors actually said that ancient Corinth was kind of like modern-day Las Vegas, right? A, a lot of the things that distract your thinking, a lot of things to distract your thinking, not in a good way, all right? So that's kind of the audience that Paul's writing to here, people who had some, some not good thinking. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, For though we live in the world, we do not wage, wage what? war as the world does. Folks, it's a battle. And you're going to see that as we go on through these next two verses. It's a battle for for the control of your mind. Verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. War, weapons, fight, weapons, strongholds. Verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And then look closely at this next statement. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Again, folks, Paul makes it clear here. There's nothing easy about this. There's nothing easy about renewing your mind. And and it's a battle. It's going to be a battle. In some ways, it could be the hardest work you'll ever do. That's why Paul said that we must take captive every thought, right? He said this is a day-by-day, thought-by-thought basis. Change takes place from the top down. What what you nurture in your thoughts tends tends to find its way into your actions. Okay, how do we do that? How do we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ? Well, here are some things that that might help you. First, find a plan to control your thoughts. Find a plan to control your thoughts. Look, you already know this, but most of us are being fed bad thinking, and much of it's coming through media outlets like the Internet, social media. And I want to say this, this next part as lovingly but as tactfully as possible, but I think some of you need to make 2022 the year that you make yourself accountable to someone else for what you watch on the internet. And if you don't trust yourself, then you need to make sure you don't get online until someone can be there to hold you accountable. Look, I'm not, I don't want to throw out all the statistics. You, you probably, most of you probably have heard these. One out of every three downloads on the internet are porn-related. And, and this is, this is kind of interesting and shocking to me. One out of every three people that were taken to a porn site were taken there unintentionally. That's how they hook you. That's how they hook you. See, this is yet another reason why you need to get plugged into a growth group. For accountability, yes, but also to help equip you while you fight this battle for your mind. Back in the early days of computer technology, there was an acrostic that programmers like to use, GIGO. It stood for garbage in, garbage out. If, if, you wrote, if someone wrote a sloppy code into a program, they'd end up with a crummy program. Put bad data in, bad data comes out. The guy who came up with that idea of a programmable computer, a guy by the name of Charles Babbage, he said that he was asked one time, and this is, this is, this is interesting to me. Someone asked him one time, he said, hey, hey, look, if we were to put wrong figures into the computer, would right answers come out? Listen to his response here. I'm not able to rightly apprehend the kind of confusion of ideas that could provoke a question like that. In other words, are you crazy? Right? It is true, dear ones, what we feed into our minds is what's going to be lived out in our life. 
today, living in a day and age where we all use computers, we understand this. However, many people still haven't figured out how it applies to the mind. It works the same way, folks, garbage in, garbage out. However, the opposite of that truth is also uh, applies as well. Wisdom in, wisdom out. Truth in, truth out. Praise in, praise out. Love in, love out. Right? And on and on and on. It, see, this is, this is a crucial lesson. What you put right here between your ears and under your bald spot determines, determines more than anything else the kind of person that you're going to become. You, me, we all need a plan to help us control our thoughts. And honestly, the best plan that you can do, and, and, and this, this is doable for all of us, right? This is doable for everyone. The best plan you can do is just read your Bible. Read your Bible. Some of you might be amazed at how much more your thinking can change just by reading your Bible for 10 or 15 minutes a day. The Word of God's powerful. It's not like any other book that's ever been written. The Bible actually breathes. Did you know that? The Bible has a heartbeat. It has the very breath of God on its pages. Hebrews 4 says, for the Word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the, and here's our word, thoughts. And, and we talked about how our thoughts lead to this next word, attitudes of the heart. In other words, our actions. Our actions. Some of you need to quit just reading the Bible and start letting the Bible read you. If you want to take captive your thoughts and have your mind controlled by the Holy Spirit, you need to spend more time reading the Bible. And look, the best way to jumpstart this first principle is to just make the bookends of your day this very thing, reading your Bible. By that I mean to say, begin each day by reading some in the Bible and end each day by reading some in the Bible, right? It is a fact. For at least a short time, our mind continues to process the last thing we put into it even after we go to sleep. And just as I'm saying that, it kind of scares me because I think about some of the last things that I put into my mind before I go to bed. But by controlling the bookends of your day, you're guaranteed to start and finish each day in a healthy way. So, that's the first one. Second, find a place to think your thoughts. Find a place to think your thoughts, right? <clears throat> by this, I mean to say each day you need to be intentional about turning down the volume of the world and focusing on God and letting God speak to you instead of just, instead of just speaking to God. And look, you guys know this. Every good, every healthy relationship, it has to be two-way communication. All good communication is a two-way street. Communication both ways. In other words, what I'm saying is have a daily conversation with God. Slow down long enough each day to have a conversation with God, even, even if it's a busy day, but really, especially on those busy days. And honestly, even if it's nothing more than maybe you woke up late, oh, man, God, I, I am so sorry. I, I'm, I know I usually spend time with you, but, hey, I just want to let you know I love you. Uh, please be with me today. You know what? God's fine with that. Just don't make a habit of it. Even, he, a little connection's better than no connection. Do what you can. Just connect with him each day in conversation, right? And you can even do that on your way to work, right? God would rather hear that short prayer than no prayer at all. And when you do, here's the promise that God gives us. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 3, 2. Think about the things of heaven not the things of earth. So find a plan. Find a place to think your thoughts. Three, find people who will help stretching, who will help you with your stretching your thoughts. Again, another reason to get plugged into a growth group. One of the goals of our growth groups is to surround you with people who will help you change your way of thinking and help you take your thoughts captive, like Paul says. And see, 
here's, here's the thing. Sometimes we have control over who we allow into our lives, and sometimes we don't, right? Sometimes we're born into environments that surround us with unhealthy, negative thoughts. That's why. That's why we need to, when we have the opportunity, that we need to surround ourselves with people who can push us towards positive and healthy thoughts. But we need to do that. We need to do that. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works or deeds. Next verse, verse 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. See that? Motivate one another. Encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Surround yourself with people who will motivate and encourage you. Next one. Find a purpose to land your thoughts. Find a purpose to land your thoughts. You know, the healthiest thoughts that you can have are thoughts about your purpose and, and why, you're, why you're on this planet. Why you're on this planet. Right? Thoughts that when you're going through some tough stuff, you, you can remind yourself of why you're on this planet in the first place. And that, you know, you still have a job to do. You know, some of the most miserable people you'll ever meet are people who, they're not miserable be, you know, because of their circumstances. They're miserable because they don't know why they were on this earth. They don't know why they were created, right? People who have no purpose are some of the most miserable people on this planet. The healthiest thoughts that you can have are thoughts relating to your purpose. Because when you have a purpose, listen, dear ones, when you have a purpose, you'll always have something to live for, something to look forward to. In fact, if you could hear God speak to you right now, I believe, I believe he'd want you to know two things up front. First, I believe he'd tell you to settle your yesterdays, like Kyle was talking about in our next class. You know, settle your past right? And second, I believe he'd tell you to find your purpose. Again, that, that's why we offer the next classes once a month, a month to move you towards doing this. Back to the Romans 12 verse, and this is the NIV. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. One of the main things that keeps me going keeps me motivated to do what I do, even, even preaching three services on Sunday now. I know why I'm on this planet. I know why God has me on this planet. That's why I want to strongly encourage you to, if you haven't yet, take the next class that Kyle teaches once a month. You won't regret it. You really won't regret it. Because that's basically our membership class. If you want to join Family Church, we ask that you attend the next class. Why? Because if you're going to align yourself with us as a church, you need to know what our vision is. You, you, know, you, you need to know what that journey is going to look like. Uh, you need to kind of know what our government, how our government set up, that structure, how the money spent. You have a right to know that, and we talk about all that. We talk about it. So give us an hour after the 1030 service, and then we'll answer those questions for you. So now that we've become aware of this purpose stirring within us, You'll need to find a power to fuel your thoughts. Find a power to fuel your thoughts. Power. Why do we need this power? Because when God speaks to you and tells you what his purpose is, I guarantee you this, his purpose is going to be beyond your ability to do on your own, in your own strength. Right? And this is by design, by the way. God's no dummy. This is by design. The fact that God will inspire us to do something for him, but we'll have to depend on him to be able to pull it off. He wants to work with us to do his will. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes into play. He sent his spirit, the word, the word is paraclete, we talked about that before. He sent his paraclete, Holy Spirit, which means comforter, advocate, one who will walk alongside us to help us along the way. Help us what? What's the Holy Spirit going to help us do? Help us do what he's called us to do. 
I did a series on the Holy Spirit a couple years ago, and I think it's probably about time to do another one. Because honestly, if you don't understand that God wants to walk with you daily, daily, you'll never be able to accomplish his purpose and all that he has for you. That's why it's so important to open your life to the power of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 55 verse 9, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see that? God has thoughts that are bigger than ours and he prefers that we have his thoughts, not ours. Ephesians 3, verse 20, Paul says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. See, whatever we're thinking, God wants to do so much more than that. How? How is he going to help us do so much more than we can ask or think? He tells us, according to the power that works in us. And he's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. So, look, I I don't know what your preconceived ideas or notions are about the Holy Spirit, Uh, And the power of God, uh, whatever they are, I know a lot of you need need to let them go. You just need to let it go. Just let them go, right? Yes, I'll concede a lot of stupid things have been done in the name of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, I can't can't speak to all of those. uh, But the bottom line is you're going to have to have that power, that supernatural power to do what he's called you to do. You're going to have to have it. Habits are the best of servants and the worst of masters. And our lives, and I think you would agree with this, our lives would be much better if we made our habits servants instead of masters. But that can only happen when you have the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit operating in and through you. So I'm going to pray for you, but real quick, before I I pray for you, I want to ask you to do something. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now, just say, what did you want me to learn from this message this morning? Just ask him. If you took the time to come here, I guarantee you he has something to share with you. So just, just write and say, Holy Spirit, what did you want me to learn from this message? Let me pray for you. Lord, as we have sought to unplug from the world over the past few days, turn down the volume of the world and get quiet before you, I pray that you would show us what our purpose is and how we're to how we're to partner with with your Holy Spirit to accomplish that purpose. As as we put together a plan to control our thoughts and begin spending more time reading your word, as we begin to become more intentional about finding a place to to think our thoughts and meditate on your word, begin to renew our minds and and, and heal our thought life and bring, bring peace to our lives. Guard our heart and guard our mind. And while your heads and hearts are still bowed before the Lord, I want to ask if there's anyone here who maybe you're not in the right relationship with God or, or maybe you made a commitment to God at one time, but now you, you're, you're like, you're not even sure what you are. Maybe you just feel like you're kind of wandering. You might be far from God or you just might be at a place where God's no longer a, a priority for you. Either way, you're just at a place where, for lack of a better way to put it, you just like to give God another chance. If you're ready to surrender your life to him, if that's you, it would be my honor to lead you in a prayer where you can have a personal relationship with God. I'm not asking you to join our church. This isn't about joining the church. This is about being introduced or reintroduced to the God who created you, has a plan and purpose for your life, and, and invites you to call him Heavenly Father. If that's you, if you're ready to do that, let me just lead you in a, in a prayer that will bring you back to God. If you just pray this, say, Lord, thank you for sending Jesus, to die for me, for my sins. 
forgive me of my sins and, and come live inside of me by your Holy Spirit. As much as I don't understand about that, I, by faith, I'm asking you to come live inside of me by your Holy Spirit. And I'm asking that you wouldn't just save me, but change me from the inside out, from the top down. And help me begin living my life for you. Thank you, Lord, for second chances. Thank you for a fresh start. In Jesus' name, amen.